listening to the Retail Razor Show, where your expert hosts and their guests cast through the clutter in retail and retail tech to shape the future of retail. Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 19 of the Retail Razor Show. It's the Season 3 finale episode on the Razor's Edge, and I'm your host, Ricardo Belmar. And I'm your co-host, Casey Golden. Welcome to Retail's favorite podcast, where we cut through the clutter to give you sharp insights on the retail industry and retail technology. It's the show for product junkies, commerce technologists, and everyone else in retail and retail tech alike. Welcome to the season three grand finale episode. All right, Casey. So here's how we're going to roll today. Since this is a special episode to close out season three of the show. So first, we're going to check in on our top 10 predictions for 2023. And yeah, technically those were from season two. But now that we're very squarely into 2024, it's time we checked in to see what we got right, nailed it versus what we totally got wrong and completely missed the mark on. This is my favorite part. Yes, I am quite competitive. You better be keeping score on who's got more right than wrong. I'm feeling pretty good. But Ricardo, we come from two very different perspectives. And I think that's why everybody enjoys listening to us. I have to agree. (laughs) I have to agree. Hopefully this won't get too ugly and too competitive. But good thing there's no audience to throw things at us, though. So for the second part of the show, then after we get through that, we'll do a a little bit of fan favorite reminiscing about our favorite parts of the season and maybe close it out by sharing a few choice previews for season four. Well, you did just give it away that there is going to be a season four, but season three did quite well. I guess we really are more than meets the eye. You did that on purpose, didn't you, stealing my line? I did. did. All right, all right, all right. So let's just get started then and jump right in to grading our top 10 predictions for 2023. So let's just run down the list, starting with the first one. Casey, you're up first. That was private label taking over the shelves. Is this a you nailed it or missed the mark prediction? I nailed it. Private label goods are increasingly dominating the retail shelves as consumers prioritize value and quality, prompting retailers to expand their in-house brands. This trend reflects a shift in consumer trust with white labels, offering comparable or superior products at more competitive prices than traditional brand names. However, we there are a number of manufacturers from China doing the same thing, and consumers are going to need to become very savvy as the pendulum of trust mm. will swing on a very thin line. Interesting. There will be many new brands that will be entering into the U.S. market mm. because we're not the only ones that saw this yeah, trend. Yeah, yeah. So everyone's going to start to uh, become really smart really soon on how to tell the difference between a genuine private label versus just a knockoff brand that's cheap. Yep. We're, we got to be a little bit smarter on what you see is not oftentimes what you get these days in commerce. That's so true. <laughs> that's so true. All right. And now it's your turn. Prediction number two was the retail media network evolution with B2B services growing out from ad services. Nailed it or missed the mark? Because if I don't know what you're going to say. <laughs> Well, I mean, this has to be one easy one for me. This is totally nailed it because let's face it, retail media got even bigger and just about every way last year. Uh, I mean, some of the specific things I know I was predicting was a lot more 
uh, in-store focus. I, I think a lot of that is there. It was talked about at NRF this month. It was talked about at Grocery Shop. I mean, it was all over the place about how that was the natural expansion, even connected TV and other digital mediums for it being tied into the media network. Uh, and then the, the last piece I had in there, which I, Walmart's done it really well. I, I still think it's a trend, but I'm still going to call this one a win. And that was the, the B2B services growing out for the, because it's the incremental revenue from these things is enough that retailers, I think, keep seeing more and more of them looking for this kind of revenue versus the transactional revenue they get from consumers because the margin's better. I mean, it's pretty incremental at this point. There's very low comp numbers. It's incremental revenue on the balance sheet. New revenue channels. I agree. All right. Prediction number three, returns management. This one is yours too. Is Yeah. Was it a top IT investment? All right. So I may have slightly missed a little bit on this one. Maybe I can, I'm going to claim partial credit on the fact that it's still certainly talked about a lot and it was a, a trendy thing. I mean, everybody was worried about returns management. I think the second half of my prediction was that it would really be a top IT investment helped by AI technology and that we'd see everybody spending money on trying to solve this. That part, I guess, just didn't really, I don't know. I don't think that one really happened. And I know plenty of vendors with really good solutions that help with this, but I, I don't think enough retailers, as I thought would, really made this a top IT investor. They invested a little bit in it, but it wasn't the top one. So I'll, I'll claim partial credit on this one. Yeah, I, I agree. It is a, it's a huge global problem. It is, but it's not a key KPI mm, yeah. that I find yeah. that comes up in general conversation when looking at the current state of the business. Yeah. Everybody kinds to seem to leave the returns percentage off the deck mm. as if it didn't yeah, exist. Yeah, like I don't think anybody away. wants yeah. to see it or own it. And I think for our listeners, it's very common for an e-commerce store to have between a 25 and 40% online yeah. return rate. Yeah. I think this year, maybe more of you guys should be carving out <laughs> yeah, some dollars. I, I think it to, definitely uh, is one of those that, that yeah, people need to look at it a little bit more, a little bit more attention on it. Prediction number four, store automation for frontline workers and store ops for a lower labor cost. All right, I'm going to make this one yet another partial credit one. Uh, mostly thanks to AI solutions. I've seen some retailers putting out there that helps make life better and easier, automating a lot of the mundane tasks for frontline workers. But I think the original thought here was more about leveraging a lot of automation for when retailers can't hire enough uh, people for their store teams. But it's not. I guess it's not 100% clear exactly what impact retailers are getting from that yet. It may be too soon for that for the ones that have done done some of these implementations. I, I still would claim there is enough of a labor shortage for most retailers that they need some of this automation help or AI help. But did that really save them in 2023 from a lack of having enough retail staff? I'm not sure that part of it really came true, which was the implied expectation from this prediction. So I think retailers are on the right path with that. The technology is there to help. It's a matter of time, I think, and it's just going to take longer maybe than my prediction claimed for it to have full impact. So I'll take half credit for that one. Yeah, I've seen more impact in grocery mm -hmm. and training, yeah. onboarding, offering, yeah. not necessarily, more, less so in fashion mm -hmm. or apparel, mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think in order to really leverage AI, you got to know what these people do all day for their job. And yeah. I think that yeah. is going to be the biggest challenge mm -hmm. is have understanding, understanding the context. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
And uh, I'd like to see some IT people do some job shadows on the floor. Yep, I hear you. I think you're 100% <laughs> on, on that one. I think we've had plenty of guests over the season who would agree with that statement and reinforced it plenty of times. <laughs> All right, prediction number five was yours, Casey. BNPL, buy now, pay later, explodes even more. All right, so this is partial credit for me. Yeah, the growth was there. Yeah. Holiday 2023, the real winner was buy now, pay <laughs> later. So true. Not any one retailer. Yeah. But it didn't really explode in the sense that regulators haven't really come after them yet. And they're still going strong. Really, I really thought that the bubble would have burst by now. But we'll see. Uh, I think it it got swept around. You you got to, I guess you you do get. Yeah, yeah. There was, uh, I forget which one. Was it a firm that maybe stumbled a little bit? But we had Roshan from Square who talked about Afterpay and they were seeing plenty of, of growth and, and things were going really well yeah. for them and it helped fuel a lot for Holiday. So yeah, it, it's expl- I guess the exploding part is true, maybe not 100% in the way they predicted, but it was still the, because the growth is there. So you get partial credit for that one. All right. Prediction number you six, know, he Casey. Mentioned, oh, yeah. I mentioned that the younger generation and like Gen Z oh, really point. like this yes. buying out yes, later yeah. and they don't have credit cards the way we That's do. That's true. That's so true. Yeah. And so yeah. I do find it interesting. It may be a bit more responsible than the way we charge yeah. everything on our credit <laughs> and Maybe card. that's the difference. Maybe <laughs> that's the difference. Yeah. All right. Prediction number six, Casey, it's a CDP explosion or was it? Well, I can also only claim partial credit on this. It was a CDP explosion. I think $683 billion was spent on CDPs last wow. year. Just not really in retail. <laughs> <laughs> so it's what everyone is talking about, yeah. but act. Everyone needs them. Everyone wants them. But the complexity and integration challenges associated with incorporating CDPs especially into existing legacy mm-hmm. systems in retail has been a key deterrent. Yeah. Some organizations have been even more hesitant, not just for the high cost of the implementation and the amount of the migration, but just the resource investments required yeah. for adoption yeah. and maintenance. So there are players in the space dedicated to easing mm-hmm. this pain mm-hmm. and committed to providing seamless integrations. Yeah. But it's it's really going to come down to who makes it the easiest mm-hmm. for a billion dollar company to adopt a CDP yeah. and not take two years to do it. Yeah, yeah. I, I spend a lot of time working with Microsoft partners that are in, in this space, uh, both in in the technology of it as well as <laughs> doing the implementation help. Uh, and I, I definitely see a lot of movement there. I think you're right, though that. At least in retail, it's maybe a little too slow or slower than it should be to adopt because I can't imagine just how many times I'm talking about customer data platforms and how much everybody needs this. And we have, we had guests who talked about this, right? We had, I think Nadina talked yeah. about it uh, from Vitamin Shop. I think even on the CPG side, right? Mir, we could have talked for hours with him about how they're leveraging customer data. The importance is there. I think you got that part for sure. It's just the usual technology deployment slowness we see in retail that kind of maybe bit this one a little bit and slow things down in the end. Yeah. So I'm going all in for 2020. There you go. There you go. Stick with it. Stick with it. <laughs> all right. Moving on to prediction number seven, loyalty program evolution. 
There was a prediction you had here about paid tiers and maybe a little bit of Web3 sprinkled into that as part of that evolution. So I don't know. What do you, what do you think about this one? Although loyalty programs did go strong for 2023 for many retailers, I can't claim that Web3 played a part <laughs> <laughs> uh, as much yeah. as it should have. Yeah. And there was a lot of confusion between Web3 and crypto. Oh, yeah. Like, it's not the same thing. Yep. It doesn't have to be mm -hmm. together. One doesn't require the other. Yep, exactly. <laughs> but we did, I didn't see any paid tiers anywhere mm. within my realm. Mm -hmm. Personally, all of my loyalty programs over the past year have been ultra lame. <laughs> and in some cases, <laughs> the brand should really be embarrassed. No, so um, kind of going in the other direction, evolving in the wrong it's way. It's a huge opportunity. It's yeah. a huge opportunity. There has been significant investments last year in loyalty. Mm -hmm. But as a consumer, I haven't seen the results on my. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, I mean, they're definitely classic examples of amazing loyalty programs. And I guess amazing defined in terms of just how many people join the loyalty program to help drive that retail business. You can hold up, uh, obviously, Amazon Prime. We can say Walmart Plus, Ulta, Ulta Beauty's loyalty program, what drives like, what is it, like 80, 90% of their business? Same. Yeah, it's insane. But you're right. The, other than Amazon and Walmart, who's doing paid tiers for these? Barnes and Noble has they a paid loyalty program. Yeah, maybe it's because of the like more like just prices yeah. going up in general. Yeah, maybe that maybe slowed it down. Kind yeah, of is because everybody's complaining about the price of eggs. Yeah. Um, there are only so many subscriptions <laughs> every consumer is willing to pay for, right? So gonna, yeah, who's going to give up their Netflix subscription for a paid retailer loyalty tier? I think that's the, right. that's the question I everybody's asking. Yeah. For a dollar yeah. a month. <laughs> exactly. Unless it's going to be as massive as a, a Walmart Plus or an Amazon Prime, maybe the, it's hard to put the enough value in there. All right, Ricardo. Prediction number eight, it's all you. Anywhere commerce versus immersive commerce. And this was one of our themes for the season too. Yeah, I'm going to claim partial credit on this one. We wouldn't have made it a theme, right? If we didn't think it was happening and a big right. deal and it was worth talking about. Uh, I'm willing to accept that there's a ton of innovation here uh, happening in this space. Think about just episodes we had. We had Cynthia Holland from Avi.io uh, talking about Anywhere Commerce. I think we had so much good stuff happening there. But I think in the end, you know what held back? I, well, I can't claim total success on this one as the deployments aren't really there yet. It's still a lot of tests, trials, experiments, baby steps. It's not really, everybody's not going all in yet, I think. Yeah, brands need to move beyond the glitter, especially with POCs. Taking a tagline from Diesel Jeans, mm. be brave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> be bold, be brave. Build the future now. There's nothing to wait yeah. for. Just be bold and watch the consumers come. That's exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right, moving on to prediction number nine, Casey. This is a good one. It's Web3 versus the metaverse. Which one won out or is the answer neither? Okay, this one's a little bit heartbreaking. I think the only winners were attorneys. <laughs> Quite possibly. <laughs> it's like a completely new division of every law yeah. firm. I think more brands spent times with legal discussing this than with their engineering teams. Yeah. <laughs> While there were some very cool things happening in this space, I mean, hello, Luxlock, we were led the way yeah. here in a lot yeah. of ways, being the first to do a few things. I can't claim that retailers everywhere went all in on Web3 or the metaverse. Yeah. Although 
I had bets on Web3 versus Metaverse. Mm -hmm. Brands are still experimenting. Some brands have fully operational divisions to experiment in this space and budgets to experiment, but it's still not mainstream for yeah. either. I think that there's a huge opportunity here on both the Web3 side for tracking, authentication, mm -hmm. warranty services, ownership. And I think that there's a lot of opportunity on the metaverse side with virtual stores, marketing capabilities, video games, really attracting consumers at a younger age and just allowing brands to be more playful. Yeah. But going back to the anywhere commerce and immersive commerce, you're just going to have to be bold, right. be brave, right. build something that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. And have a vision of what it's going to look like in five years. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess it was it was last season we had Alan Smithson on talking about what he was doing with the mall and mm -hmm. the metaverse. And that's launched, right? So there's opportunity out there to, to see some cool things. I know Alan had, had shown me some cool stuff happening with uh, with Starburst, right? And building their, their world. Mm -hmm. So I, I think there's definitely some opportunity. I guess the challenge really is. Is this a matter of if you build it, will they come or not? Because you still have to rely on people adopting, consumers adopting the right technology, right, to jump in. So it's not just a matter of retailers choosing to do something. You got to, there has to be enough critical mass for consumers to do it. And I guess we'll have to see if Apple's Vision Pro is going to move the needle on this or not. Yes. So the, just like That's Neil Redding told us this season, right, now that spatial computing is something that we all know what that means and talk about, we'll have to see what impact that has in 2024 and see if this stuff that changes. I agree. I agree. They launched with something like, I don't even know how it's possible, but like a million apps in the app store work with these goggles. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's something's coming yeah. this year yeah. and we'll uh, there's space for this. Okay. Okay. Ricardo, what brings us, that brings us to prediction number yep. 10. And honestly, this might have well been a ringer <laughs> for you. I think way too easy. Generative AI. I mean, you had zero chance of this one not working out. Yeah, I guess I'd like to call this one the sure bet. So yeah, it's a solid nailed it on this one. I, I think I still get credit for that though, right? I mean, you know, it was still a prediction. It counts. Yeah. It counts. It counts. I mean, to me, I don't like cheaters. So <laughs> I'm not really giving anyone credit for generative AI. It can die <laughs> in all the applications that I've seen this year. I've been shown clothes that I can't buy, uh -huh. places that I can't visit. Yeah. And people that don't exist and i'm not yeah. really impressed personally yeah. as a consumer you've just shown sold me a dream that is impossible to experience for real <laughs> yeah there's so still some things to work excited. out i mean there, there's good use cases there's let's call them the bad use cases where it's not really adding value yes. but you're just cheating things but i think there's been plenty this is an easy win only because there's been so many good use cases whether it's personalizing things to, in, in, a, in a real way, not in the fake way like you're talking about where the things don't exist. So there's that. There's really cool things around summarizing customer reviews that retailers are doing. There's a lot of cool things happen on the production side to actually help produce real products in a faster timeline than before. And I think some of this ties into, you know, you remember back to season two and we had Ashley from Ventana on who worked on the technology yes. for the 3D models and things for products. You start connecting the dots between these things and generative AI really starts to make the whole production process so much smoother and faster. Once people really start getting into it, we're going to start to see some really cool things come to market a lot faster and easier and hopefully with a lot less waste. 
as well. So I, I think there's lots of upside to it that we just have to get there. But I think this will, last year was the year when everybody tried it out and played with it. And it was a no brainer. Yeah. It's true. It's a no brainer even at the beginning of the year to say, yeah, this is going to be big. And it was, and, and there's lots of examples for it. I, you, know, you could put it on this year's list too, right? And it would be a ringer as well, because there's going to be lots of goodness coming from it. Hopefully not as much yeah, bad stuff that you keep running into. Right. right? Yeah. I think we can separate like generative AI B2B and generative AI consumer. I think I hate all the consumer applications <laughs> that I've seen, but the B2B aspects yeah. that I've seen with like, PLM systems yeah. and holograms, right, right. creation and product renderings yeah. to essentially go outside the box, create more SKUs. Definitely some compelling attributes. I'm just ready to see less in social media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the, so let's say less PR stuff and more real stuff. I think we'll see. I more think this, business. Yeah. No, I'll call this one when we come back to do our predictions for this year. I'll probably call this one the the year of AI ROI instead of just the year of AI play. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because it's the things that actually drive a return right. that'll, that'll matter. Okay. So apparently I'm keeping score. So uh -oh. let's total it up here. Uh -oh. Accounting for partial credit on yeah. some, you have three out of a possible five mm. points. And it looks like <laughs> I have 2.5 out of five. <laughs> Go figure. Close. It was close. I just, just managed to be so fancy. Yeah. Well, you know, a slight, <laughs> barely pulling out a win there. Maybe that makes me more than meets the eye today, right? <laughs> it's too late to pull off that uh, reference. Like, it's not going to happen. Oh, I already used it. Yeah. Right. You beat me to it <laughs> again. <laughs> Let's <laughs> move on to some highlights. For four. <laughs> All right. So, season three highlights. I have already it <laughs> out of our script for season four, actually, Ricardo. So, we'll that might just, this might just. The last time anyone hears it. It might be. It might be. All right. So what was your favorite episode of season three and why? Favorite episode is The Magic of RFID mm -hmm. with JP Camp. Kamel, I don't really stay on top of this stuff as much as I, I'd like to. He really broke down the applications of RFID mm -hmm. down yeah. to business managers yeah, to definitely. just really understand potential use cases and frankly, defined what each of these types of technology are and define the acronyms. Yeah, yeah, you that know? was a great session, like, yeah. Really, if anybody is still curious about what RFID is and how it can mm -hmm. be used, take a listen yep. to this Go episode, episode because yeah, absolutely. you can walk away leading a conversation in the office with yep. that. 100%. Yep. I really felt... Yeah, it was good. Well, what about you? For me, I think it was our video commerce episode with Vincent Yang from Firework. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm still, if I think back to that episode, I, I, notwithstanding that I love the topic, right, with video commerce, and I'm a big fan of that as a, as a use case and everything. But Vincent is just so knowledgeable on this and has so insightful and in everything he talked about. I, this is was one of those episodes, probably not since we did the, the big e-commerce episode season two, right, with, with Brian Dove, where we, we could have just kept on talking for days on that yeah. topic and not run out of things to say. And it would still have been super interesting. That probably could have been, if we had let ourselves have a three-hour episode, it probably would have been. I agree. I really enjoy Vincent. And I have to say, if only our listeners could listen to the first 30 minutes before we hit record <laughs> and the 30 after, minutes after yeah, yeah. we stop. 
it's like where all the good stuff so, is happening. Yeah. We should really start. Yeah, I wasn't kidding when I said we could have had a three-hour episode on that one, and it would have been incredibly interesting, <laughs> and you would have been glued to your speaker listening to that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, what was your favorite? Oh, favorite moment. I have an interesting one during the grocery shop recap episode with with Christina Gustafson and Ben Miller when Jeff Roster was a, a guest host with me on that one. And Ben actually said at one point, we've actually managed to get through 20 minutes of this recording without ever saying the words retail media. And just the look on Jeff's face at that point, because of all the times that I have poked fun at him for ignoring retail media until now, I think that was just priceless. Rare for yeah, you I know. And your yeah. friends. Which, which, by the way, <laughs> if you remember, was Christina's comment, because even she said, it's like rare for Ben not to bring up retail media in less than two minutes, and just as much as it is for me, so... The fact that we managed to go 20 was just amazing. My favorite moment was Ron Thurston announcing that he's joined me on the tech hmm. side of retail with his launch of Aussie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I am thrilled that he's joined the dark side. <laughs> yeah. And spoiler <laughs> alert, be on the lookout for a, perhaps a season four episode where Ron comes back and shares the launch experience and all the juicy details. Amazing. All right. So what surprised you the most this season? <laughs> I think you know exactly which episode surprised me the most. It was like visible in my facial expressions. I think I even dropped the F-bomb a couple times in like <laughs> the pre-interview process. Mir Ali from Kraft Heinz literally blew yeah. my mind. Yeah. I don't come from big box CPG. Mm -hmm. I had no idea how advanced the data usage was at a CPG company of that size, yeah. nor would I have expected the culture yeah. he's cultivating for his team mm -hmm. to be creative, curious, and test, try. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. Try things and fail. Yeah. Just try things. I was beyond surprised. Yeah. That is definitely one I would be telling someone, even if you weren't in the CPG space, you want to go and if you hadn't listened to that episode, go listen to it because you'll learn so much about how to actually leverage data, especially if you're in any kind of retail or CPG business. It didn't matter. And if you're outside of grocery, you're just, Mir had so many great use cases and examples of how his team leverages the data they have to really help drive the business. And it's just, it was, it really was amazing to learn from him how they're applying all that data. Yeah. Very rare in the fashion industry. Yeah. Would we come across yeah something like this yep. and i just maybe i'm biased but i always think like we do things better than everyone else uh -huh. meet up like brands and fashion yeah. and apparel yeah. and retail i was completely shocked yeah. <laughs> i learned a lot well, and speaking of data my probably my surprising one was our our last episode actually with nadina guglielmetti from the vitamin shop she leads as our chief customer experience officer also Really interesting thing is to see how her team is taking advantage of the data they capture around customers, how to both improve their loyalty program. She gave us some examples of that, but then just the overall in-store experience and how well their store team members engage with customers. Just so much of that is driven by very specific actions and things that they're doing as they learn about their customers. So I think that was a really smart way of doing that. And again, not in a necessarily in a CPG space, but very specialized, right? It's very, definitely uh, yeah. vitamin, obviously, and wellness being a, a specialty area. Now, uh, I was really impressed with just so many interesting things that she's doing there. That, that one surprised me the most, I think. 
Yeah, their commitment to customer education yeah. and, and building customer loyalty and retention is very admirable. Yep, yep absolutely. All right, so we had six retail transformers this season, of which both Nadina and Mir were, were two of those. But of the six, which one stood out to you the most, Casey? I'd say Cynthia Holland, mm. CEO of Mobby. Yeah. Got to give her some props for forging a new channel of anywhere commerce, bringing commerce to cars. Yeah. I think it's very compelling and it's able to be adopted across every retail category that I can literally think of. Yeah. I think it's very relevant and interesting. Very innovative. And yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that was definitely a, a standout. I mean, so I'm thinking about which was most unique of the six to me. And I think I have to go with Jeffrey P. McNulty because of every retail transformers we've talked to, Jeffrey really had the most interesting in terms of substance and quantity of frameworks and examples around how to be a retail leader and how, and, and, and I guess I realize I should say how to be a good retail leader. I had so many things to say. Again, another one of these where you have to say, well, there, there's a reason why he has a successful best-selling book on this topic, because he's just got so many good examples from his own experiences and, and other brands that he's worked with and helped. I think that one was probably the most unique. And, and we've had lots of folks right on, on the show who've been our retail transformers who focus on that human element in retail. But I think his take was really unique on that. Yeah, he did really flex on the what it is to be a leader on the yeah. floor. Yeah. And I think it always has to come back down to the experience on the yep. floor. Yep. All right. So we had three themes for the season, right? AI and automation, immersive and anywhere commerce, and back to basics. Which one do you think had the most impact? And which one had the most fun episode of the season? I mean, I think this goes into like why we chose these as a theme in the first place, <laughs> but... Immersive in anywhere commerce is always going to be the most yeah. fun, but automation and AI have the biggest impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. While at the same time, like back to basics just needs to get done in order for us to have a future in retail period. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I have to say, like with the back to basics theme, that's the one that really brings us back to the to human beings at the center of, of this business, right? Because in the end, retail is a people business. Yeah, I'd make an entire season on Back to Basics yeah. and just remind everyone what retail is, why we got into it in the first place, and why are we still having the same problems we had 20 years ago? <laughs> exactly. Like, it's time know, to right? and move on. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's really good things out there. Yeah. We had, what, two miniseries this season. Right. Lead to Greatness and The Data Blades. What stood out to you most about these two series, Ricardo? I think I have to say Blade to Greatness may be my new favorite part of doing the podcast, just because when I think of all three guests in this, right, between with Ron Thurston, with April Sabral, with Jeffrey again, they all brought such unique insights to a wide variety of issues, right? We covered things around raw leadership that, skills that retailers need to be. April brings such an incredible insight around how to be positive, no matter what it is that's happening, right, in the business. How do you turn something into a positive? And of course, Ron, no one advocates for store teams and the kind of work and, and management that needs to happen in the store and recognition that needs to happen for store teams at corporate. No one does that better than Ron. And I think that combination of those three people we had on that series, to me, just makes it both fun and unique and insightful. And uh, it's probably the best part of the show, really. And then with Data Blades, 
I mean, that one I think is also a, a lot of fun in a, in a different way because Georgina really also brings some un- unbelievable data points that you just wouldn't think about, uh, right? Just based on asking a simple question at, at point of sale to consumers. And I, I got to say my favorite one of those that we had with her had to be the one about self-checkout because you know what my feelings are about self-checkout generally. <laughs> I just went to the West, spent you know six weeks on the West Coast. And I wanted to, if there was, I just wanted to smash some of these self-checkout things. I, it's so different from living in Manhattan, Mm -hmm. right? Like it is such a different experience. And I was just like, oh my gosh, right, right. I don't handle this. So I'm going to just stay, I'm just going to stay on our little island here. (laughs) But it's, it's very interesting because we do talk about data all the time, but I don't think so many people understand where everybody else is getting their data from and how they're crunching these numbers. So I am a bit of a data junkie. You tell me a percentage, I'm like, out of what? (laughs) Right? I'm like the naysayer of like, sure. Right. 30% of 30 people. Right. Great. That's nothing. Don't care. Means nothing to me. I really enjoyed the data blades because it was just really interesting data it comes from people who we know, mm-hmm. comes from companies that we know, we know their processes. And I feel very secure in repeating these numbers. And I, I find it very compelling. Yeah. And I think the more data we understand and the more KPIs and information we know from other industries, there's always this opportunity for an intersection to take those findings, even from grocery, to apply them to beauty. Yeah. So I think we should keep those going. Hundred percent. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Bonus question. Everybody loves a bonus. Which one do you which one mattered the most to the industry? Oh, well, this will be a, a big surprise to everyone, but I, I'm gonna actually say two episodes, and both of them were our Taylor's versions of uh episodes because you know, if it's worth repeating, it matters. And of course, you know, we had NRF for beginners with Anne Dada, which we had done uh, a year ago, and we brought that back and refreshed it with, with Andy. And then I can't say enough about the impact and importance of the work that retail ROI does in this industry. It really is all about how retail recognizes and gives back and tries to improve the community around this industry. And I think retail ROI really embodies that the best. So again, those, you know, we we had one of our very first episodes of the show was around the history of retail ROI. And this was going to be the, this month was the 15th anniversary Super Saturday event for retail ROI. And it was a, a huge success. It was a sold out event with so many retailers attending. So I really have to give the nod to both of those because of their importance. And at the end of the day, it's Taylor's world and we're all just living in it. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Ricardo, your face is on a lot of shirts running around. Uh, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> NRF yeah, that, that is weekend. true. Yep. And can thank re- the retail ROI team for that <laughs> and the team at Incisive <laughs> for coming up with that one. Yeah. It's <laughs> awesome. All right, Ricardo, how much do we want to give away for season four? I guess we don't want to give away too much, but definitely everyone be on the lookout for a season four trailer coming soon. That'll sure to make you anxious for new episodes. And I guess I could mention that we're going to continue our two mini series. 100%. Yep. Blade to Greatness and Data Blades will be back for another season each. And we'll actually finally launch them as their own podcast series. So spoiler alert there, standalone podcast for those two. 
So maybe that's the big news that we can share is that the Retail Razor Show is expanding in, in, in that way. We'll still have this main show, but you'll see both of those miniseries uh, show up as their own podcast and your favorite player. So if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts and Newsflash, you're going to see a Retail Razor channel popping up in your app very soon. Love that. Those two series are amazing. And if you've been watching our YouTube channel, then you already know that you can watch those series there and on their own as their own podcasts on YouTube as well. Right. And one could also say that we may just be expanding those mini series and I don't know, adding maybe one or two new ones in addition to those two. So stay tuned, faithful listeners and viewers. You may see us feature a few more special topics around education and retail and AI that you won't want to miss. And of course, we will be back with some incredible retail transformers for you. Yes. And I know one thing we've been asked many times now, and that's for the return of the retail Avengers. <laughs> I love that I'm like Captain America. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but we're not giving that away just yet. You'll have to wait and see what happens for that. But for now, I think it's time to call this episode a wrap, Casey. Yes, it is. If you enjoyed our show, please consider giving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Good Pods. Remember to smash that subscribe button in your favorite podcast player and catch us on YouTube so you don't miss a minute. A big thank you to our Good Pod listeners for helping us regularly rise to the top three spots in the indie management and indie marketing podcast charts. If you want to know more about today's show, please check out the show notes for handy links and more deets. I'm your co-host, Casey Golden. And please connect with us and share your feedback on Twitter at KCC Golden, Ricardo underscore Belmar, and at Retail Razor. Or find us on LinkedIn, or of course on Threads and Instagram. And if you want all the highlights from each episode shipped straight into your inbox, subscribe to our Substack newsletter for full episode transcripts and bonus content. I'm your host, Ricardo Belmar. Thanks for joining us. Until season four, keep cutting through the clutter in retail and retail tech and stay sharp. This is the Retail Razor Show.